0: You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more. Podcast. I'm Jess Biondo and I'm Tia McNelly and sadly we are missing our third Michaela is in California visiting family so she um, couldn't be here with us today but we love her dearly yes with do. us in spirit yes um, so today on the podcast we have Nikki Hardy author um, church planter extraordinaire blogger should be comedian. Cancer survivor. Cancer survivor. Um, and this conversation blew me away and I think it's been the funniest one we've had so far. (laughs) By
1: far. Incredibly difficult
0: to keep my composure and not just laugh in the mic the whole time. I know. I kept thinking, no, keep
1: Keep locked together.
0: (laughs) Intense laughter would not sound good. Blaring in people's ears over the airwaves. Um, but one thing she mentioned on a more serious note, and you'll hear in the interview, she talked about um, how kind of she ended up in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And I was struck by, she mentioned just a relationship with someone, you know, she met at her church. And I just kept thinking like, God uses what is already in your toolbox yes, to get you where you need to go. That's so true. And I feel like that was a lesson that I kept getting all day today, mm-hmm. um, just with even... Words I saw on the sidewalk. Well, wow. like start where you stand. Yeah. Um, that like God has given us the resources to lead us to our next yes. It's so true. Um and if we'll just take that one step at a time
1: and continue yeah. to obey, like we talk about all the time, yeah. God will do extraordinary things just like he has in Nikki's life. Yeah. So we are so excited for you to hear our interview with Nikki Hardy. Nikki Hardy, welcome. We are so excited to have you on The Collective Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great. So you and your family moved to Charlotte from England to mm-hmm. plant a church. Tell us about your family and that experience of planting a church.
2: Yes, it's rather crazy, crazy story. So um, I'm married to my husband, Al, and we're about to celebrate 25 years. Awesome. So um, Thank you as he says, 25 long, hard years. (laughs) Poor chap. Um, But we have three kids who are now um, a junior in college, a freshman in college, and a sophomore in high school. But when we moved here 12 years ago, they were about eight, six, and three, going into third grade, first grade. And preschool
1: an overseas move with a preschooler
2: yes Ooh. so it was interesting and culturally very very differently <laughs> despite the fact we speak the same language kind of sorta sort of sort of um yeah it was a big move but we came to plant the church that we now pastor city church charlotte
1: great and so what do you love in particular about the church that you've planted Oh, it's, um,
2: it's a really wonderful community. Um, for a long time, we met at um, a very strange time. We met at 11 in the morning, and because we shared a building for a long time with a church that would run over. So um, it would be started 11, maybe 11.15, 11, sometimes 11.30. So the people that came really wanted to come, and so we have built um, a really strong community that likes to have fun together and hang out together. So they're a wonderful community. community.
1: That's so incredible. And so was Al already a pastor, like pastoring a church in England before you moved to the US? Oh, no, that would have been far too sensible. Um, (laughs) We we were
2: literally, we were in seminary. So um, we had both, we had met um, in business over the photocopier, terribly romantic. Um, And then we had come to faith in our first year of marriage. So we were not Christians when we walked down the aisle. Wow. Um, and then came to faith and after the, like I said, in the first year of marriage and the first thing we felt God say was to leave our jobs because they were our God. You know, we were typical London dinkies, dual income, no kids yet. And we had both had companies, cars and we had all the trimmings, but we'd done quite a lot of searching. We knew there was something more out there anyway. So we came to faith and, um, left our jobs and, and I retrained as a teacher. I became a um, science teacher for middle and high school and um, then went on to have kids. And he went and worked in a drug and alcohol rehab for um, an American couple, actually. He was started off doing fundraising and business stuff, but everybody who works there has to go through the program. So I like to say that... He became a Christian and God sent him to rehab for seven years. <laughs> so, Perfect. Yeah, and then we started working in our church in London and then felt called into the ministry. So we went to Oxford, to Wycliffe, where we were in seminary and then came straight from there to plant a church. So we'd never led a church. We didn't wow. know which way was up, but we dived in.
1: That is so yeah. incredibly What made you brave. pick
2: Charlotte? Well, yes, it's not... It's a, it's, it wasn't a kind of um, putting a pin in the map and saying, where where would we like to go? There was already a relationship between people in our church in London and people here in Charlotte. There'd been a businessman from Charlotte who had gone over to London about 10 years before we came over and had visited our church. And was like, wow, God's really on the move. And there's people of every wealth and color and... Um, Background, all worshipping together. And so cool. um, it was really cool. And he came back and invited the associate pastor then, who was our pastor, to come and speak in a big church in Charlotte. And he did. And lots of people were impacted by God. And so a relationship started. Mm-hmm. And so when our church in London started planting churches, um, Charlotte was an obvious place.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like... Um, that was where you discovered your purpose? Or is there a different story to you finally understanding what you were made to do to bring heaven to earth? Oh,
2: yes. No, that was not it. In fact, I arrived and um, I had an amazing um, experience where uh, before we left, um, we were on a church retreat and a chap put an acorn in my hand and said, "Um, this is for you to know that you are being called to be a mighty oak. you're not just being called um, to Charlotte because you are Al's wife you have your own calling and and I was like yes okay and so you know and and of course when you move with three young kids I was doing the whole school thing and the mom thing and oh my goodness the supermarket looks complete completely different and what's washing powder and you know all the things but, I kept, you know, I'm, I'm not a children's worker. I wasn't a worship leader. I didn't have a, a thing, as I used to say. I, you know, so I did everything. I did do the children's work for a while, much the highly embarrassment of my children. Um, I, I've done all sorts <laughs> of things from cleaning the loos to welcoming and speaking. But I kept saying, I want a thing. I don't have a mm. thing, God. I need
1: a thing. Isn't that such a common thing? theme yes. that we hear yeah. from people who are just looking for their thing, yeah, not knowing that it's actually right there inside of them the whole time. Exactly. I, I felt like I didn't
2: know what I wanted to be when I grew up, Yeah, um, despite the years galloping <laughs> along. <laughs> How did you figure it out? So... Um, Unfortunately, while we were in Oxford, I lost my mum to cancer just mm-hmm. as we moved to Oxford. And then once we had moved here, I lost my sister to cancer. Wow. So when we were in Oxford, my mum used to live in Vancouver, Canada. So I had this long distance relationship and I was flying backwards and forwards while she was sick. And then when we were here, my sister Joe. Was in um, the West Country in England, and I was flying backwards and forwards to see her. And she died at just 43, and they wow. were both lung cancer. And Joe died New Year's Eve 2011, which mm-hmm. was very Joe. She knew that we'd all be partying <laughs> and would remember her with a glass in her our hand, our hands. But just six weeks later, I was diagnosed. Oh. And um, theirs was both lung cancer. But mine wasn't lung cancer. Mine was, and I'll say this on live podcast, was rectal cancer. Oh, boy. Yeah, it was a bummer, literally. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I was fit. I was healthy. I just ran a marathon. You know, I was, I was not sick. Yeah. In inverted commas. Mm. And so, um, and it. Turned out to be stage 3B, which meant oh it had gosh. started to make a bid for freedom around my body. And so I had, we had radiation, I had surgery, I had chemo, I had got to wear an ostomy bag where I could walk, talk, and poop all at the same time, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So, and what happened was that I was like, well, Hardy by name, Hardy by nature, I'm a survivor, I'm, you know, I'm gonna nail this. And then, and when you are diagnosed, you're immediately called a survivor. I mm. thought a cancer survivor was someone who had survived mm. cancer, but you're called a survivor the moment you're diagnosed. Um, and so I was like, "Great, I'm a survivor," you know. And I dug in, and you know, I'm a Brit. I've got a stiff and perfectly waxed up a lip, and I was like, <laughs> "I've got this." And so. But then I, what, what happened was that I found out that I was, that's all I was doing. I was just surviving. Mm-hmm. And so, but what I was doing was I was um, sharing how I was doing on a CaringBridge site. Yeah. It's kind of, um, for those people that don't know, it's a kind of a collection of websites, where, like, almost like a Facebook, but you can um, update people around the world on your mostly medical journeys, and people can comment and things. Um, And it started off as purely medical. These are blood counts. This is what's happened next. Boring, yada, yada. And then um, it was like, well, this is the ridiculously funny story that happened. Because when you have a cancer like mine, oh, my Lord, there are funny stories (laughs) left, right, and center. And then it was kind of, but this is what God's doing. You know, he's in it. Um, Mm. He's got me. And then I was started like, and he's got you too. Mm-hmm. And so when I was coming through cancer and out the other side, people were like, don't stop. So I carried on writing. And I, I just that. felt the Lord say, share your story and write a book. And I was like, no. <laughs> because I know that feeling <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm like, I gave up English at 16. You can do that in England. And I scraped out Wait, the door with hold a six- on. You can quit learning the English language yes. in school. Yes.
0: That's so amazing. in England you
2: take a you take exams at 16 at the end of 10th grade and then another set of exams at the end of 12th grade. You just already sound so smart that well, you don't need to actually well, be is you that you so what it is? Much. No. So what you do is you you really go down to three subjects. Um, and now they've tweaked it a bit so there is a lot more um grading as you go through the process Mm. but really for me it was all down to exams at the end of my 10th grade and the end of my 12th, 12th grade and I did nothing but math chemistry and biology for two years wow yeah so I was I mean I can't spell I'm just you know and if it wasn't for my dad's kind of regimented grammar and correcting my split infinitives and stuff. I wouldn't know much about that, but, um,
1: (laughs) I don't know what you just said, (laughs) you know,
2: to boldly go that you're meant to, to go boldly. Boldly. Got it. Got it. Um, so I started sharing my story more and more. And, um, and when I did, especially live in front of real people and not just on a computer, I just felt like I came alive. And so, That's really how I started to discover my purpose. You know, people Mm. say your pain leads to your purpose. And in this case, it's 100% true.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely identify with a lot of what you just said, for sure. And so what do you feel like is your life message? You're working on a book now. Is that included? I am. It is, for sure. So
2: I would say um, my life message is that life doesn't have to be pain-free to be full, as Mm. Jess so beautifully oh, that's right. wrote for me on my um, my little card that people can that's download. Right. We have the um, same hand letterer. We do. Yes, like to,
1: yes <laughs> I have my own personal hand letterer. That's right.
2: Letterer
0: and over. you
1: can find Jess's hand lettering at SpresaFoundry.com. <laughs> <Yeah. Or> no, <laughs> not dot com. Now,
0: Insert uh, advertisement here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey guys, Jess here. So, one of our sponsors is me with Sprezza Foundry. Uh, I started this hand lettering business about two years ago, and I bring you whimsical, hand lettered, inspirational sayings, cards, prints, wood signs you name it, I will do it. Uh, go to my Etsy shop at sprezzafoundry.etsy.com. That's Spreza, Sprezza, S P R E Z Z A Foundry, and also on Instagram at Sprezza Foundry. Use promo code PODCAST for 10% off your order. Uh, you can direct message me for any custom jobs that you're interested in. And I would love to specify your house, bring a little nonchalant elegance from my home to yours.
2: So yes, and it's really about... Um that you can thrive and not just survive right where you are. I think so often we think, um, well, God said that there'd be storms in life. And he also said that he came to give us abundant life. And we think, well, abundant life is happy, skippy, healthy, wealthy, all the trimmings, because that's what we see on TV and, and Facebook and Instagram. And so, well, mine doesn't look like that right now. So I'm going through the storm. And when the storm's done, then I'll be able to have abundant life. And I just don't think Mm-mm. God meant it to be like that. No. I think I don't think they were meant to be separated in time and space. So, A, I think we've got our thinking wrong about mm-hmm. what an abundant life looks like. Then I think we have all this nonsense to deal with because we're like, well, I haven't got an abundant life, so therefore God's mad at me or, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's vanished and is off, you know, loving on people who don't cuss at their children on the way to church and things like that you know (laughs) who are they I know I wouldn't know (laughs) no idea (laughs) and so you know we have that nonsense to sort out and then I think what I found when I was going through cancer a lot of people gave me inspirational devotions and memoirs and I was like yes I want to trust God and I'd try and then I'd go no, actually, I'm still mad at him. Mm-hmm. Or yes, I want his peace and kind of sit there and go, nope, I'm still terrified. And so really the book is about how to do it practically in, in the moment and not wait for everything to be over. I think God meant for us to live abundantly and find more of who he is and who we are right in the midst of it all.
0: Um, that sounds like an incredible message. And you're writing the book? I am. Where are you in the process? Can you give us a little teaser about the book?
2: Yes. So um, the book is going to be out next August, August 2019. And I have have to wait so long. I know. I know. (laughs) I know. It's an amazingly long process. Mm. I got the book contract last November, so it'll almost be two years. Mm. And I went to a speaking conference and met with a publisher, um, last summer so it will be two years since I met with the publisher until it's out but I'm so glad it's going traditionally published Mm -hmm. Um, but the book is called breathe again how to live well when life falls apart Mm -hmm. and it's really a practical guide for doing just what I said you know finding God's abundance right in the mess of when life crumbles because so often we feel like we just can't breathe either we're just overwhelmed and overwhelmed or we're just suffocating and so how do we What does it look like practically?
0: Wow. That's so needed. Yeah. And I'm just so impressed that you found time to write a book in the midst of all the (laughs) other million things you're doing. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about those? What's going on? I know you blog and I Mm -hmm. read your blog. And where can people find your
2: blog? So I blog at NikkiHardy.com, which is Nikki with an N-I-K-I, which apparently I made a stand on when I was younger. My mom told me that... (laughs) I defiantly said it needed to be spelled like that but I have no recollection um, so yes NikkiHardy.com and um, I'm just super excited about some of the the way I'm able to, um, to help people I have a lot of people emailing me telling me their stories and people are going through such rough times mm-hmm. everything from deep family dysfunction to infertility to mm. kids with um, drug addictions all sorts of things and they feel like they've got nowhere to go unfortunately you know they say I've the church doesn't quite know what to do with me when I'm honest or my friends don't quite understand or they're getting tired of me those kind of things mm. and so um, and I've just done an audio to help people handle anything life throws at them it's actually called how to handle anything life throws at you how do we get a hold of that that's on the website so if you go to the website and you scroll down there's a big yes please kind of download now excellent i'm just putting you on name and um email and i'll shoot it straight over to you All my little computer robots will <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you'll put a link to that in the show notes oh for sure also, yeah and you can Thank get you. another
1: dose of nikki's lovely accent at that point as yes. well yes. it comes free with every episode yes
2: <laughs> but i'm also looking to do a um a christmas one how to handle anything christmas throws at you awesome. where i'm going to share other people's stories and kind of talk to other people as well because that's part of the book that it's not just my story the book has seven tools in it um deeply practical but I share my story a biblical woman often forgotten woman of the bible and then um somebody else's story as well um, so it's not just all about me. It's going to be
1: so good.
0: I thank can't you. wait until we'll next have August. You, <laughs> have to have you back on again in August after oh, yes. we've, it's out and we've read it and book oh, can dig into that it even fun. more. Yeah, for sure. That'll be a
1: lot of fun. So, um, I am so curious, like what is one of the, f- f- I didn't pass this by you, so you can tell me no, but I doubt you'll tell me no. <laughs> the funniest stories, um, when you were going through treatment, cause I know you have them.
2: I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's just which one. Okay, so one, I turned up to treatment without any underwear on. <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. So, <laughs> I know, I probably shouldn't say it. No, it's okay. You're not going to have me back. <laughs> so, great. I was... T- I was this is when I was completely fit. So one, like one day I was out running and stuff. And the next day I was out running, but I just knew I had cancer. I mean, there was absolutely no different. And so I had to go along to um, radiation kind of prequel. It was like, come and learn what you will do on radiation day. Mm. So I literally, I had been running. I was wearing running shorts. And you know how running shorts have little undies
0: already yeah, built yeah. in? So oh,
2: yeah. I, I don't wear extra undies. <laughs> hey
0: Chase. Your secret is safe with us. It's okay. okay. We won't tell anyone. Okay.
2: Except everyone but, listening. And they had said, you won't have to do and we won't do anything, you'll just walk through. So when I arrived and they said, so this is where you'll check in automatically on this computer, and then you'll walk through this door, and then you'll pick up a gown from this cupboard. And then if you could just put the gown on and strip down to everything except your undies. And I was like, um, I'm not wearing any." <laughs> And the sweet purse was like, oh, you're absolutely fine. So, yes, that was one. Lesson one. Lesson one. Yep. Wear your underwear. Wear your underwear. And, um, or don't. or don't, or don't, or don't, if you're wearing running shorts. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly.
0: If you need a good story for the blog,
2: <laughs> don't wear underwear. <laughs> there don't you wear go. underwear. Let me think of another one. Oh, when it was all quite fresh and I had, um, we went out to dinner with the kids. So at this point, um, let me think, the kids were kind of 14, 15, 12 and... Nine ish, around that age. So, still reasonably young, and it was hard for them. And don't forget, they'd lost their grandma Mm. and their aunt Mm -hmm. to cancer. And as far as they were concerned, people who got cancer died and died quickly. And so, um, we all went out for dinner, and it was, you know, typical family meal. One minute, somebody goes, I've got to go to the loo, you know, bathroom, and disappears off and comes back. And then somebody else, I've got to go to the bathroom, and comes back. And then I say, I've got to go to the bathroom. And just sit there and then it's like the penny dropped and they all burst out laughing because they finally was like, mom was making a poop bag joke and we, it was like finally we could all laugh about it
1: oh that's so valuable yeah. my mom is walking through cancer right now oh. she has multiple myeloma and um So our goal at every appointment that we go to is to make every single staff person smile or laugh however we can. And that's kind of our family policy. My sister and my mom and I, we have to just keep laughing.
2: You've got to. You've got to laugh. Otherwise, you'd scream. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: And it, you know, laughter really is the best medicine. Unless you have diarrhea. Then I would suggest (laughs) Imodium.
1: Then maybe not.
2: (laughs) Then let's keep it serious. Experience tells me
1: Imodium is better in that moment. (laughs) (laughs) After <laughs> that's sorry. good when you get oh, me you get all the poop talk I love it that's great we're so very very used to it oh yeah <laughs> very oh, used to yeah. it oh man well Nikki it sure has been incredible having you here to chat oh, thank you and um we will definitely be having you back when um Breathe Again mm-hmm. launches next summer yes and um
0: thanks for being here
2: you are welcome thank it's been a delight
0: so thank you um, what an amazing interview so much fun so much fun I didn't know it would go to some of those places <laughs> but I'm so glad it did <laughs> So good. Uh, but then also so like her message is so powerful yes and the and fact tangible. that she can find such joy mm-hmm. in the midst of those trials is mm-hmm. it's just a huge
1: I cannot wait to to take hold she said there were what seven tools Mm -hmm. in the book i cannot wait to take hold of those i'm marking my calendar i can't wait yeah in the meantime i am absolutely getting that download i'm just gonna listen to it on repeat so i can keep hearing that accent
0: oh her voice is so good i love it feel free to eat well don't fast forward through us but if you need to rewind and listen to nikki we would understand we understand we understand understand. understand. Um, well, we wanted to kind of use this time at the end of the podcast to also share some things that the three of us are personally learning in our lives or things that we feel like God's teaching us. Um, and I had one thing that like, I, a little bit about my past. I grew up in the church. Um, I went to a Christian elementary school. I went to a Christian college and I'm not saying any of that to sound boastful. It's just like. That's where you came from. That's where I came from. And so I've had a lot of Bible knowledge just because I I was literally tested on it. Mm. Um, So whenever something new about the Bible, which happens still all the time, like springs out at me, it it blows my mind even more about like God's depth and his mysteries. And then it's like, even after years of study, there's still so much richness there. Mm. Um, So in our sermon last week at my church, the pastor was talking about Jesus in the garden when he was um, going through that intense struggle and time of prayer before he went to the cross mm-hmm. and he was preparing and he is the, the famous prayer of like, Lord, if it is your will, like take this cup from me. And I just always thought, oh, he's trying to like, God, if there's another way, so I don't have to go to the cross. Um, but the pastor was saying that as he was praying about that, he felt like it was a very different truth behind that where jesus was right before that it had talked about how it was just this oppression and anxiety that was weighing him down and just crushing him and that that prayer to take the cup from him wasn't trying to get out of the cross because jesus was single-mindedly like focused on his mission of the cross and he wasn't afraid of that like that's what he came for and he loved us that much but rather that cup was taking the anxiety that was trying to keep him from getting where he needed to go. Mm -hmm. And so I think like that just spoke to me because sometimes there are things in our lives that are so hard of where we know we're going, but the fear of going there, even though we know it's good and we know it's right, the fear can keep us from getting to where we need to go or the Mm -hmm. anxiety. And I don't know, that just struck me I had never thought of it that way, even though I've read that passage a million times. Um, so we would love to hear, too, from you, our listeners, if there are passages like that where you've read them a million times, and then all of a sudden God brings something new to you. Like We would love, love, love to hear. Um, so you can email us. Yeah. What's a good email Hello address. at CollectedWorkshops.com. Hello at CollectedWorkshops.com. This week, our little question of the week. I don't know if we'll do that every week, but we're doing it this week. Sounds like a good plan. Um, is what is a scripture that you've read a million times and yet God recently has shown you it in a new way? I love that. We would love to hear those things. I
1: love that. You know, um, just what you were saying makes me think about um, something that I feel like God is revealing as my sort of life message. We asked Nikki that because mm-hmm. um, a lot of authors do have this one resounding message that God gives them over and over and over again, and um, and mine has definitely surfaced as as this idea of his restoration always being greater than any devastation that we walk through.
0: I gave you chills,
1: and um. I'll eventually, I'm sure, share a lot of my story over the weeks as we go. Oh, we'll interview you one of these days. <laughs> You'll be our guest of honor. It's, it's been quite a quite a journey here to 38 and, and some months old. But mm. um, the scripture that came to mind when you were when you were talking about Jesus um, reminded me of First Peter five ten and the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So friends, just remember, no matter what it is that you're walking through, whether it's an overseas journey, whether it's cancer, um, whether it's the loss of a loved one, um, that his restoration is always greater than any devastation that you could walk through. So peace to all of you this week. Thanks for listening to The Collective Podcast. We love you guys. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would spread the word. You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. You can also find Tia at Tia McNally Notes and Jess at Spreza Foundry. Check back for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday.